Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Burugun campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. And welcome to church on this beautiful Easter Sunday morning. The kids are a bit manic, running around on a sugar high. They're going to crash later. It's going to be a train wreck, but it's beautiful. It's Easter Sunday morning. Maybe if they crash hard enough, maybe they'll sleep. And that would be, or just a blessing to all of us parents. That would be an incredible thing. So we'll see. You know, it's a significant day for us as followers of Jesus. It's a day of celebration and victory, a day of immense hope as we come together to worship the one who set us free. That freedom came at an unbelievable cost. And we spent some time reflecting on that at our Good Friday services. He who knew no sin became sin that we might know the righteousness of God. And we don't want to take that for granted because it changed everything. The creator took the place of his creation and in so doing took the sin and the shame of the world upon his shoulders, a burden that we will never truly understand. And yet here we are on Easter Sunday celebrating the fact that Jesus is alive. Death couldn't hold him. Sin couldn't touch him. He's alive. And in him, so is our hope. And that's what I want to focus on this morning because there's something about hope that's absolutely essential to who we are as human beings. So as I was researching for today, I came across an article by psychologist Dale Archer. The article is called The Power of Hope. And he says this, Hope is often the only thing between man and the abyss. As long as a patient, individual, or victim has hope, they can recover from anything and everything. However, if they lose hope, unless you can help help them get it back, everything is lost. This is a guy who worked with survivors of both Hurricane Katrina and Rita, people who have lost everything. And he's saying, don't underestimate the importance and the power of hope. It's one of the key differences between you and I and the animals around us. And I'll give you an example. We've got two dogs. Well, actually, my wife has a dog. It's more like a, a large rat, but it is a dog of some kind. And then I've got, I've got a real dog. I've got a rottweiler. It's a, it's a beautiful dog. Slightly overweight, got a bit of a gumpy leg, but despite all of her failings, an absolutely beautiful dog. Not the most enthusiastic, full of life dog, but whatever. You get what you get, right? So on the average morning for my dog, Lola, she'd wake up probably around 10, 10.30, because let's be honest, she's got nowhere to be. She rolls out of bed and thinks to herself, you know what, I'm, I'm a little peckish. So she gets up and she goes outside and she eats some food. And that's pretty much the extent of her existence. And don't get me wrong, it's not a bad life. It seems pretty great actually, but let's be real. She's not sitting around thinking to herself, I wonder what happens to me after I die. I don't think that's ever come through her fairly large head, not even once. She's not waking up in the morning, you know, rolling out of bed and thinking to herself, man, what's the point of life? 
I mean, really, why am I here? Where am I supposed to be going with my life? It's just not there. She wakes up, she's hungry, so she eats. That's it. It's all about instinct and impulse and and, and usually food, and that's great. She's happy and she's a beautiful dog, but you know what? That's not enough for us. That we need so much more than that. We need the things in our life to come together to form some kind of purpose and meaning. That we long to be connected to something bigger than ourselves, to see that our lives are building towards something. And when we don't have that, we so quickly lose our way. We lose hope. I think one of the best examples of that is a guy named Viktor Frankl. I don't know if you've ever heard of Victor, but if you haven't, you need to check him out because he's just a fascinating, fascinating guy. Victor was a Jewish psychologist, but he was also a Holocaust survivor. And I know we've got the kids here with us this morning, so I'll keep it kind of broad and PG, but I think his story is incredibly important. See, Victor grew up in a small town in Austria, and he'd actually just started his practice as a psychologist when World War II started. And obviously it didn't take all that long for the Germans to invade. And when that happened, him and his wife were shipped off to a ghetto called Triesendut. And they were kept there for about a year before they were eventually moved to a concentration camp in Dachau. And as you can imagine, it was brutal. Out of all his friends and family, including his wife, only him and his sister actually survived the war. That's it. And he writes all about it in his book, Man's Search for Meaning. You can see it up on the screen. The first half of his book is just his story and everything that happened to him over those years. But then the second half of the book is full of the lessons that he learned, the research that he'd done. See, Victor was an incredibly resilient man. So he actually continued his practice in the concentration camp. He had to do manual labor just like everyone else. But at night, he continued to practice as a psychologist, as a therapist, and he would do sessions with people. And he was fascinated with the the different ways that people would try to deal with the trauma they were going through. And he actually writes in his book that the common denominator between those who survived and and came out the other side with some level of health and well-being was hope. And it was hope. And people responded in all kinds of different ways. A lot of people just gave up. And you can understand why. They'd go into survival mode and they'd become bitter and violent. They'd do whatever it took to survive. He actually writes that it's almost like they lost their humanity. They lost who they were. And then there was this whole other layer of people who dealt with the loss of hope through indifference. They just go cold. They'd, they'd check out until their bodies gave way and it's incredibly sad. And then there was this whole other layer of people that survived for a little while at least in fantasy. They'd convinced themselves that when they got out that everything would be okay, that their loved ones would be okay, that their job would be there and they'd just be able to pick up their lives and continue on like none of this had ever happened. And when it didn't go down like that, because it didn't, It crushed them. But then there was this small group of people 
we were able to survive and emerge out the other side and it was all about hope. But even more specific than that, he actually talks about a hope that transcended the circumstances. That's the key. That's what he narrowed in on. It's a hope that transcended their circumstances. See, the powerful thing about that kind of hope is that no one can take it from you. A transcendent hope is a hope that cannot be touched. Victor saw that in action and it went on to shape his philosophy for life and his, his practice going forward. He spent the rest of his life trying to help people find that kind of hope, a transcendent hope. Which brings us to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, which is our passage for today. It's going to be up on the screen for you. You see, I would say that what Viktor Frankl discovered is exactly what Peter is talking about in this passage. Peter is writing to a group of Christians that were getting absolutely hammered. The persecution was intense. And this is what he has to say to them. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. And Peter is saying that 2,000 years ago on that first Easter morning as the tomb lay empty and the burial cloth sat there neatly folded, hope flooded the world and changed everything. The truth is that we were lost. Eternal beings cut off from the things of eternity, cut off from our creator, the source of life. It took everything from us. And we were made to walk with him, to live in relationship with him. That's where our purpose is found. That's what brings significance and meaning to our lives. And we lost all of that forced to settle for cheap imitations in the world, we lost sight of the fullness of life that God has for us. And yet in steps, Jesus. The same God who breathed out the stars, took on flesh and dwelt among us. And he waded into the sin and the mark of our world that he might redeem us. And he might buy us back. And he did it because he loves us with an everlasting love despite everything that we've done, despite the fact that we wanted nothing to do with him, God is still for us. That his heart has always been and will always be to bless us and to lead us into life. And because that's true, and because now we now have open access to him again, there is hope. No matter your circumstances, there is hope. And Peter calls it a living hope because it's fruitful. It actually produces life. It's a hope that never changes and yet it changes us. And it has the power to transform us from the inside out. And that change is so drastic, so powerful that the only way that Peter can describe it would be to say that it's like it's new birth. 
This is a hope that has the power to transform us into a completely new person. That's how significant it is. It's a hope that transcends our circumstances, but it's also a hope that changes the way that we see our circumstances. It opens our eyes to the things of eternity, reminds us that this too will pass. One day Jesus is coming back. And when he does, he will make all things new. He will wipe away every tear. And there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the former things have passed away. And that's not just wishful thinking. That's not the kind of hope this is. Peter is talking about a hope that is secure, absolute, because it's based in the faithfulness of God and in the power of his promises. This is something that can never be taken from you, something that cannot be touched, something that will never perish, spoil or fade because it's kept in heaven for you and for me. And here's the best part. It's free. It's free. You don't have to earn it. The truth is you couldn't hope to anyway. This isn't about trying harder. This isn't about ticking the box or doing the right thing. This is all about the grace and mercy of God. He lived the life that we couldn't and he died the death that we should have. He did everything that he might offer it to us as a free gift of grace, which is why Peter says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed. It's not a word that we use all that often. So it's a word that kind of easily rushes past us without us really understanding the gravity of it. I just want you to imagine for a second, this grandma is walking along this pier with her granddaughter and extends over the water. So there's a couple of guys standing around fishing. And there's an old wooden handrail that runs along the edge of the pier. It's kind of rotten. And the gap in the railing is actually too big. So as this little girl is trying to peer into the water, she slips through and she, she falls into the water. And the grandmother screams as she realizes what's happened. And so one of the guys who'd been fishing jumps in after her and he cups himself on the way down, but he's able to find this little girl under the water. And he brings her to the shore and he's standing there with this little girl in his arms as his grandmother comes running over and with tears in her eyes, she squeezes his arm and says, bless you. Bless you, young man. That's the raw emotion of that word. That's the power that stands behind it. And I can just imagine Peter dropping to his knees as he says, bless you, Jesus. Bless you. You did something that nobody thought was possible. You saved us. You set us free. And you gave us hope. Church, Jesus is alive. And because of that, so is our hope. I couldn't think of a better way to finish than for us to enter into a time of communion together. You would have received a little communion pack on your way in this morning, and I want to encourage you to open that up now. It's a little fiddly, just oh so tempting to play with, but you wouldn't have done that. Not while I was speaking. No, you wouldn't. 
what the enemy thought was his greatest victory was actually the moment of his final defeat. Truth is, the cross was God's idea. It was his plan, and it reveals to us the incredible nature of his heart. That's someone who's for you. Someone who loves you more than you really understand. Someone who paid the ultimate price to set you free, to give you life and a hope that lasts for eternity. Someone who continues to work for your best each and every day. He took our place on the cross. He took our death, but he didn't stay dead. Now, three days later, he rose from the, de- from the grave. Death couldn't hold him. Sin couldn't touch him. He's alive. That's why Paul says death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, blessed be God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. I wanna invite you just to spend just a moment or two reflecting on the sacrifice that Jesus made to make all of this a reality just to spend some time honoring Jesus, praising him because he is our resurrected king. You can go ahead and just do that. Jesus took the bread and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it all of you for this is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for the forgiveness of many sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of this vine until the day when I drink it with you in my Father's kingdom. And that day is coming. The day that we get to stand in the very presence of God, see Him in all of His glory and the newness of all that He has brought. Let's eat and drink in remembrance of our resurrected King. Jesus, we honour you this morning. And we recognise if not for you, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be walking in life and we wouldn't have the hope that we do. 
a hope that transcends our circumstances, a hope that's bigger than anything in this world, a hope that lasts even through death, a hope that lasts for eternity. And you are that hope. And so we bless you this morning. And we thank you. The price that you were willing to pay to make it all a reality. We thank you that you are love and that you pour it out on us. You are a good, good God. And we honor you this morning. And all God's people said, Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.